Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. Welcome to episode 177 of the podcast for June 10th, 2013. My guest today is Bob Emiliani, a returning guest many times over. We're going to be talking today about one of his latest ebooks titled Nobody is Exempt from Improvement, talking about the role of leadership, uh, leaders at all levels participating in the improvement process. The subtitle of the book is How Improving Leadership Processes Improves Leaders' Credibility and Effectiveness. So Bob is, uh, of course, a professor at Central Connecticut State University. He's a prolific author on lean management. You can learn more about Bob at bobemiliani.com. And for links to all of his books and different projects, you can go to the podcast page for this episode at leanblog.org slash 177. Well, I think he really needs no introduction to uh, to this audience, but our guest again is Bob Emiliani. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. So you've written another book, uh, Nobody is Exempt from Improvement. Um, can you tell us the story you know, behind this book, why, why write it and, and what the core messages are? Sure, sure. Um, I've worked in five or six organizations over the years, and in every organization I've worked, uh, the managers have supported improvement. But in every case, they thought that they were exempt from improvement. In other words, they, they really didn't engage any kind of process improvement activities themselves. And so uh, I've been a university teacher now for uh, about 13 years, and I've had thousands of students. And I see the same thing from them, that for the most part, and there's, there's a few exceptions, but for the most part, the managers are supportive of Im continuous improvement and so forth, uh, but they don't see any kind of improvement coming from their own uh, bosses. And so this is something that we all struggle with, is you know, how to get the top leaders uh, uh, involved directly, hands-on, to uh, do daily practice mm -hmm. uh, with Lean. And, and uh, you know, we've been at this a long time and overall haven't had too much success. Although things are improving, but it's still a big challenge. So what I wanted to do was look at this problem in a more fundamental way, in a different way, but, but still through the Lean lens. And so I, I, I asked the question, well... How, how well do leaders do their core job function? How do we know a good leader from a bad leader? And how can we make this less subjective and far more objective? So what I did was just reflect back on my own time in industry uh, when I was a manager, when I was leading a business unit. And I said, well, you know, what are the things that I, that I, that I did? And so um, I listed the things that I did. And then I grouped these into various categories. And uh, 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 it turns out that what seemed just various activities were actually processes that I was engaged in as a leader. Mm. And it turns out that there's 15 processes. Uh, these are the main ones, the main day-to-day -day, uh, types of processes that leaders are engaged in. And so um, leading and managing people, uh, planning and budgeting, workload management, decision-making, problem recognition and response, problem solving management reviews, uh, employee feedback and coaching, team meetings, asking questions, listening and receiving feedback, information sharing, developing people, performance appraisal, walking around, go see, stakeholder engagement. And those are the 15. And so then, once 
I started to think about what I did in terms of processes, then it became very easy to figure out what are the quality problems associated with these processes, or in other words, the errors that occur. And so these errors that occur were, you know, based upon my own experience, the kind of errors I, I made, but also the kinds of errors that I observed in the bosses that I uh, reported to. So these were all real-life type of uh, work experience um, mm -hmm. errors that one observes uh, firsthand. And, uh, and then I enlisted the help of my students, and I asked them, okay, given these 15 leadership processes, what kind of errors do you see? And, and, and just, you know, list the main errors. Don't, um, you know, don't make it a stretch. Don't, don't really think of anything that's idiosyncratic. Just what are the kinds of errors that occur in these processes? And it turns out that there's uh, over 360 <laughs> errors uh, in these processes. And, and you know, the, it's, it's really stunning. You say, wow, yeah. that's, that's a lot of errors. And that does not include, you know, 100 more errors that could be made uh, that leaders could make with respect to the word choice, body language, facial expression, tone of voice, the inflection, and uh, in how they speak, uh, nervous habits, uh, inattentiveness due to multitasking or whatever. So there could be upwards of 500 significant fundamental errors that leaders can make in these 15 leadership processes, maybe, maybe a, up to 1,000 in total. And of course, Mark, think of it this way, you know, what, what, what's the hallmark of professionalism? It's few errors, right? Mm -hmm. If you think in almost any discipline in music and sport and so forth, professionals make very few errors. But here we have professionals, managers at all levels, from supervisor to CEO, making these fundamental errors. And I just might add that, you know, imagine leaders making these errors multiplied times the number of you know, managers and leaders there are in a business. So it's really, uh, it's really a huge number. Mm -hmm. And it, it sounds like, you know, from some of the processes you listed, some of these errors might include not managing a meeting well, let's say coming into a meeting without an agenda or a clear expected Absolutely. outcome or playing with your Blackberry during the entire meeting or exactly. you know, multiply by all these different processes. Yeah, that that's exactly right. And so, so, what I've attempted to do in this book is to say, uh, you're not exempt from improvement. Look at your processes. There's all these different kinds of errors that are being made in what you do as a leader. And, and th this has always been something that's been on my mind. When I visit a company, uh, you know, it's very typical. You visit the shop or office and you see these wonderful examples of lean and so forth. But, and that's great, but that doesn't do too much in terms of my interests. I'm always looking for, okay, managers and leaders, mm -hmm. wh what are you doing to improve your own processes? And in most cases, the answer is nothing. So the requirement by leaders is to ask everybody below them to engage in improvement, but at their level, they feel like, for mm -hmm. various mm -hmm. reasons that's listed in the book, you know, they're, they're exempt. Right. Um, and they're not. So, so what I try to do is just some, somewhat starkly, you know, point out, here's the errors. Uh, and and there's, there's a lot of them. And we cannot, um, you know, claim to be professionals in doing a good job when we routinely make these errors. And again, I, I stress the fact that they're basic, you know, uh, errors. There's, there's nothing fancy here. Yeah. And yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think there's a huge difference between a leader supporting or sponsoring or championing or whatever word you want to use continuous improvement and versus actually 
participating. You know, my my co-author for Healthcare Kaizen, um, Joe Schwartz, has stories about how at their health system, um, their their senior leaders actually do um, small kaizens related to their own work, and they publish them into their mm-hmm. central database the way any other employee would, and they share them in meetings and share them in email and share them in all hands meetings. And you know, their general lesson that they um, promote to leaders um, at lower levels in the organization is that if you want employees doing Kaizen, you need to first do at least one yourself and share it with them and set that good example. And yep. and, and I think that's something we've been trying to spread as a practice because I, I think it, we're probably in agreement that type of behavior is pretty rare. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, it's slowly improving, but I'm, I'm trying to give a little jolt to the system mm-hmm. by identifying very specifically um, all of these errors that occur and, and, and further put forward the notion that, um, that uh, um, you, you know, you, you have to be very aggressive. In other words, a daily practice, sort of a daily Kaizen for the elimination of errors. The, um, the next thing, though, that the book addresses is, okay, so all these errors are made. Well, what is the effect of all these errors on people? Uh, right. What is the effect on employees? in particular, and that's really the focus of this book is employees. What is the effect on their mental and physical health? And what's the effect on the work that they do? And uh, as you know, most organizations focus on physical well-being of employees, but, but not mental. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's an important feature of this book. But from a, from a physical perspective, uh, there's many things that uh, arise as a result of these errors that managers make and the effect that it has upon people, including high blood pressure, acid right. reflux, headaches, feeling exhausted, heart palpitations, muscle and neck pains, and yeah. so on. But there's also this big mental piece, which, of course, ties into the physical, a stressful work environment, a feeling of helplessness, mm-hmm. questioning oneself and one's abilities, a lack of work satisfaction, confusion, depression, uh, you know, there's, there's significant effect that these leadership errors uh, have on, on people. And so the book points out that these aren't for free. Uh, you know, there, there's a cost associated with these errors. And, and again, bringing us back to the notion of, you know, professionals make few errors, not a lot of errors. Mm-hmm. And so if we made less of these errors, they'd have a better more fa- you know, a favorable impact on employee physical and mental health. And, and then I'm sure, I mean, there's also the connections then to the long-term performance of the organization, that this yep. isn't just Absolutely. out of the goodness of our hearts, but because it's smart business, right? Absolutely. And, and, and that's another question that uh, is asked in the book. What's the effect uh, of these errors on employees' work? And, uh, of course, usually uh, the employees are overloaded with work, there's a political decision-making going on, there's daily firefighting, the employee ideas and opinions are ignored, Uh, people are socially uncomfortable with their co-workers, there's poor quality of work, there's reduced teamwork, there's higher turnover. Right, so if we eliminate the errors, we have positive effects on people from a physical and mental standpoint, and we also end up doing better work, and we enjoy the work that, that we're doing. Uh, the, you know, the unfortunate part about all this is that uh, employees are, are typically the ones who get blamed for the, the types of problems that occur that are work-related, and, and the leaders don't reflect on the errors that they're making that are generating these type of work-related problems, such as reduced teamwork or high turnover or poor mm-hmm. quality work and so on. 
Right. So, I mean, I think there's a common dysfunction of, of, of leaders not wanting to participate in improvement. But yet at the same time, I think we see kind of the flip side where a lot of leaders want to um, you know, keep any improvement activity as their own. They're afraid to have employees be involved, you know, traditional suggestion boxes, feed all the ideas up to managers and the managers are either you know, controlling or they're the bottleneck um, in the right. process. You know, why, why, why do we see that so frequently? Well, I think basically it is a matter of control. You know, uh, when, when I was first involved with Kaizen, uh, the, the managers understood that there was waste, unevenness, and unreasonableness throughout the company. Uh, we were focused principally in operations, but the, they understood that that was the case. And so when we did Kaizen's, we just we did rapid changes to improve flow. And we didn't uh, study a, a problem area and then present it to management to get their permission to proceed based upon some return on investment or internal <laughs> rate of return figure. So the, the way Kaizen has evolved in many organizations is a, is a you know, stage gate process where you've got to get approvals along the way, and that, that's just all wrong. Right. Uh, the managers basically have taken Kaizen and made it fit to their uh, uh, methods and sense of control that they feel that they need to right. have. Right. Um, so it's a very unfortunate thing. You know, the corollary to that is, of course, uh, people complain about, well, this, this Kaizen stuff doesn't work. It goes so slow and so forth. And, and, and part of it is this control mechanism that's been placed on Kaizen as well as the atomization of Kaizen. I mean, people today do a 5S Kaizen. And, you know, uh, back in the day, uh, 5S was one of 15 or 20 things that we did, right. not the one thing we did. So, um, but let me also get back to the book here a little bit because one yeah. of the, you know, you, you can't just point out all these problems and their effect upon people. You have to have a way to, uh, um, you know, improve leadership processes and eliminate these errors. And so, so uh, Kaizen is the basic uh, methodology outlined in the book, but it specifically focuses on uh, standard worksheets and standard work combination sheets and visual controls, creating those to, uh, 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 create processes that uh, are designed to eliminate many of these errors. Right. And so I present uh, the, the um, formulation for standard work and standard work combination sheets for leadership processes. So they look similar to uh, the types of uh, sheets that you know, we used back in the day and that are still used today by some people for uh, standard work and standard work combination sheet. But they're they're adjusted to reflect the uh, leadership processes. Sure. Um, what, one other, and, and, and I think that's also, um, from my experience, a, a fairly rare practice when you see standard work for leaders actually being used. Um, it, it's happening more in healthcare, yep. um, but it's still by no means the, the norm. Um, what, one other question I want to ask when you talk about these, these errors and management processes. What what do you think are, are some of the root causes? I mean, rather than just blaming, and I know you're not you're not doing this, but some people might you know blame the individuals for the errors that they make. Um, do, do you have you have you you know, thought about or written about some of what what some of the underlying root causes might be so that we no, can I, address yeah. this? Yeah, I think there's just a lack of awareness that these these errors are occurring and the significance of these errors mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. forth. So a lot of I mean, it's just kind of like. Uh, back when I was first learning Kaizen, you know, all these 
mounds of inventory at each workstation look normal. You know, we didn't know that was a problem <laughs> until somebody told us it was. And so um, basically what this book is saying is, you know, here's your mountain of, of errors, you know, associated with each leadership process. This is a problem and we need to correct this. Um, so it, yeah, you're, you're right, it isn't a blame, blame the leader thing, it's a blame the process. And, mm -hmm. and in many cases, these leadership processes, um, uh, I mean, people don't even recognize them as processes, just kind of daily firefighting activities, <laughs> but they are, in fact, processes. Right. And then we need to understand it that way, and, then, and that uh, finds a, allows us for a basis for, for improvement. Should also add though that what's, uh, there's an interesting thing in the book that shows the relationship between these 15 leadership processes, um, lean leader competencies in comparison, all of that in comparison to traditional leadership competencies. And so it's an interesting uh, spreadsheet that compares these, these things. Um, also, you know, an interesting thing too on the way to, for producing the, this book, the people who reviewed uh, the drafts of, uh, you know, copies of the book thought that I should provide examples, uh, worked out examples of standard work, standard work combination sheets and the visual controls. And I purposefully did not do that and I want to explain why. Mm -hmm. Throughout the, and I think this is a really, really important point, throughout the book I emphasize the need for the leadership team to get to know their continuous improvement people, their Kaizen mm -hmm. office, you know, those people, the office of continuous improvement, whatever, whatever you call it. Get to know those people and, 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 and utilize them as a resource to help improve your leadership processes. I, I, uh, I, I want them to view the Kaizen facilitators as valuable resources for the long term versus how um, Kaizen promotion office people are typically viewed as people to fix things in the short term <laughs> and often get laid off. Yeah, you know? right. and, I, and I'm really trying to push a relationship to occur between, you know, somebody uh, deep down in the organization, but who's a great Kaizen facilitator and can help, not do for you, but help you construct your standard work and standard work combination sheets and so on. And understand that these people, like, like everybody else in the company, but they have a lot of valuable knowledge and to, to, to forge a relationship between the senior management team and the, uh, um, uh, the, the continuous improvement people. Yeah. I mean, there really needs to be a relationship there that uh, uh, that is different than what we currently have. Um, well, and I think if you had published, you know, too many kind of pre-filled in examples, there's a temptation then for people want to just to to copy instead of developing their own, right? Well, yeah, and you, you know, part of part of learning lean management means learning to think for yourself. <laughs> And so, yes, you have to go through the, I mean, that's another thing I caution the, the readers is, you know, you don't hand this off to your Kaizen people to have them do it for you. Mm -hmm. They're going to facilitate and you need to get to know them and they'll help you, but you have to do this stuff yourself. Um, you have to learn by doing. Yeah. And, and that I think sometimes is uncomfortable. I, you know, I see this a lot in, in, in healthcare. People are uncomfortable trying something that they think they're not going to do perfectly. And sometimes yeah. that leads to uh, just uh, being paralyzed and not taking action at all. We're afraid we're going to look like we're less than expert. There's such a, you know, such an expert culture in, in that industry. It seems like that's one thing that's a challenge of trying to get people to understand 
try it, how bad could it be, and learn and get better over time. That that can be fundamentally uncomfortable, I think, for yeah. a lot of people. I, I, I agree it is, and I think people you know, have the deeply embedded uh, viewpoint of, we got to figure out the one best way of yeah. doing it and then do it that way and then move on well, to other things. Or, or better yet, tell me, tell me the one best way. I don't want to figure out the one right. best way. Tell right. me. Yeah. Right. But we need to think about this more like, you know, mowing the lawn. The grass grows and so we got to cut it, you know, every week, right? I mean, it's, it's ongoing. It's not the – and I'm speaking from my reference having lived in Florida for a number of years. <laughs> not up north where the snow covers the grass, but – year-round lawn mowing it's a wonderful thing yeah um maybe one last question here before we wrap up i'm curious to get your thoughts you know i i hear from a lot of organizations especially while well, i am I'm mainly talking to healthcare organizations about kaizen and people say well yeah this makes sense i wish we could i wish we could do this but you know our culture is not ready yet which seems like kind of a particularly self-defeating attitude. We can't do Kaizen because we're not ready for Kaizen. And, and, and like people, I think, have kind of twisted themselves in knots as opposed to just trying it and working toward that culture of continuous improvement. I mean, is, is there, how, in your experience, how do you try to get past that kind of self-defeating talk or that we're not ready? Yeah. Well, it's a difficult thing to do because obviously the leaders are in charge and, and uh, you know, you can show them, something that makes uh, the most sense in the world and God Almighty will say, yes, this is true, but the leader can choose not to do it, you know, yeah. so there's always that problem. But um, one of the ways I approach it is to say um, uh, that, uh, well, I guess you're satisfied with all these errors and quality problems and let, you know, letting, you're, you're satisfied with letting people struggle. You're not setting them up to succeed, but, you're, you know, instead you're satisfied to let them struggle. You're satisfied to create a complex, chaotic, high-stress environment, you're basically satisfied with the status hmm. quo. And that's no way to live. This is one aspect of, 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 of lean that I have just never understood, that people should be racing towards it because it creates a better quality of work life in the workplace. It's a healthier work environment. It's a more fun place to work. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's more interesting. Ideas matter. Uh, but you know, it, to, to most people, that's that's uh, seems like a, a vision too far. When mm -hmm. in my world, it was an absolute reality that you know that I experienced directly, and it's not that far away. But you just obviously have to be a committed to wanna to wanna go do this. So uh, uh, some of this revolves around just kind of imagining imagination and you know and creativity, the, a lack of ability to imagine mm. a, a better workplace, a better work life, one where you don't have all the blame and so forth. Fundamentally, it connects to the respect for people principle. Right. We're satisfied with an organization that disrespects mm. people and uh, in particular our employees, but of course our employees are doing things on behalf of our customers and our investors and so on. So it affects all stakeholders. Well, I think those are really important lessons, and I'm, I'm glad you highlight those not only in this book, but um, one of your recent books, Lean is Healthcare. And for, for the listeners, I'll point out, if you go to Bob's website and if you find Bob's uh, Amazon page, and I'll have links to this in the show notes for the episode, um, you, you can buy Bob's book. And I'm noticing as I'm looking at here, um, as an Amazon Prime member, there's a number of these books that you can actually basically rent and borrow uh, for free. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, Bob, I don't know how you or other authors make money off of that. There's other books you can search. I mean, I think if you want to keep it forever, you can buy it and, right. uh, for, and they're, for they're price, inexpensive. So, yeah. They're very, mm -hmm. they're very topically, very focused. And they are, 
short reads. You yeah. know, it's not like my print books, which, you know, the shortest one is, is uh, I don't know, 200 pages. These are short reads. Yeah, and, and they're good reads. It's like Bob's talking to you, so I, I definitely recommend um, the, the books. I hope you'll check it out. And, uh, Bob, thanks uh, for being a guest once again on the podcast today. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.